The story about Zacchaeus is a very familiar story to each and every one of us. But what is odd is if we look very carefully on how Luke writes the story and recounts the story, it really describes for us the journey of life, the journey of faith, or some of our spiritual fathers would call it the, the spiritual journey and the struggle of living out that faith. And it was interesting because as I was listening and going through this, this story, I remember my trip to the Holy Land. And to really be able to understand this passage, we have to set it in its context. Because Jericho is not just any city at all in, in, the, in that area. But Jericho is the city center, the Mecca of all these different cultures, all these different people. It became a city center of exchange, of mercantile. And so everything was gathered there in Jericho. Jericho wasn't just a place for the Israelites, for the Jews, but it was from people all over the world gathered there. In our day and age, you can call it like the New York City of Jerusalem, of Israel. But what is interesting geographically about Jericho is it's the midway point towards Jerusalem. It's the place in which you take a break before you reach Jerusalem. It's the first major city on your way to Jerusalem that you hit. And so, as a city center, as an epicenter, we see how Zacchaeus can be a tax collector and a rich one for that matter. Because of all the commercialization in that area, because all the exchange of goods, there was an influx of money that's available there. But as a tax collector, you may know that they're seen as the most impure dirty people of society because they're giving money back to Rome and no one in that time wanted to give money back to Rome was one and two the way these tax collectors become rich is they themselves take a cut of that tax so for example if you owe me five pieces of silver instead of just charging you five pieces of silver in tax maybe I want a little more for myself and I charge you 10 pieces of silver for taxes. I pay the three to Rome as I'm supposed to for you on your behalf, but I'm gonna take a cut of that to keep for myself. So what does this story really set for us? I think if we look at Zacchaeus's life, and first of all, look at his name, because Zacchaeus means the pure or innocent. But if we really look at Zacchaeus's life, his name is very counter to what he does. Because what he does is he's a chief tax collector and he's rich. So what does he have for himself? He has power. He has pleasure. But yet what do we see in Zacchaeus? He's not satisfied. He's going out to yearn. He's yearning for something. He's searching for something. And so that's the question we have to begin to ask ourselves. Why are we here? What are we really doing sitting in this church? And what are we really yearning for? Because there's a reason why we're all here. Some of us may be because we're forced to, because that's my obligation. Check that off my list and I can go about my day. 
But if that's the case, you could have just gone off and done something else. But every week, week in and week out, you're here. You're searching for something and you're yearning for something, just as Zacchaeus is in his life. But what differs from us and Zacchaeus is he has power and prestige. What is, and he's still missing something. So let us continue to look at his life and see. He hears about this man named Jesus who's doing all these great things and is coming into Jericho. So he wants a glimpse of what this man is, who he is, and he wants to see what this man is really about. So he goes to seek him. He searches, and as he comes into Jericho, he sees these large crowds gathered together. So what does he do? He tries to find a way to see Jesus, to encounter Jesus. And what he does is we hear in our gospel reading, he's a man of short stature. Probably maybe a little shorter than Deacon Mike over here. But the subtlety here is when we see and understand what a sycamore tree is, look at the pillars around our, our church. The sycamore tree is as twice as big as those pillars. So now you're asking a short stature man who wants to encounter Jesus is now trying to fight himself to get up a sycamore tree. I don't know about you, but for me as a kid, trying to climb trees that big was not an easy task to do. For some, it may be an impossible task to do. It shows us and illustrates for us the limitation that we put on ourselves. We've heard something about this Jesus in our life. We know there's something magical or, or, or amazing about Jesus. But we're, we're looking for him. We're yearning for him. But we all have our limitations. Some physical, some hurdles that we put within ourselves. And so it hinders us from truly encountering and coming to see Jesus. So we could be like Zacchaeus and just say, okay, you know, I am short. There's too big of a crowd. I'm not going to go see Jesus. I'm done. Story ends there. But instead, he doesn't let his limitations hinder him from encountering Jesus. He doesn't let the crowd stop him. He doesn't let his short stature stop him either. He doesn't let the tree stop him from climbing up higher to view, to encounter Jesus. So much in our daily lives, in our spiritual journey with God, we hinder ourselves with our limitations. We make up limitations for us in our own lives that we don't want to do. We don't want to do it because it's not convenient for us. I don't want to give my time up to the church because I'm not getting anything out of it. So why would I waste my time? I could spend my time working another hour. Or we could say, I'm too busy in my life. I'm doing X, Y, and Z things. And so I don't have time for church. I don't have time to volunteer. Or you can say, oh, I want to volunteer, but I don't know what to do. There's so many different opportunities to volunteer, but then we start making excuses for each and every one of them. Okay, maybe it's to, to be a catechist. I don't know my faith enough to teach these kids. 
Okay, let's volunteer at high school or middle school night. I'm afraid of middle schoolers and high schoolers. What if you go into the RE classroom and teach K, you know, first grade to eighth grade? I don't know my faith strong enough to teach them. We set these limitations for us in our lives because we are afraid. We're afraid to really be vulnerable to ourselves and admit these limitations to come and bring them to the encounter. Because we don't want Jesus to see us imperfect. We don't want to see, we don't want Jesus to see how weak we are in our lives. We want to leave Jesus at a distance and not even be Zacchaeus. We don't want to even be in Jericho at this point in our life, on our spiritual journey. But today, Jesus is calling us each by name to an intimate encounter, to bring our limitations to that. How are we going to overcome those limitations to encounter Jesus? Do we want to even encounter Jesus for that matter? Because the next phase, the next stage of our spiritual journey is the encounter with the divine. Every day when we come to Mass, we come to experience, recognize, and see the power of transformation. Because when bread and wine becomes the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ at that altar, that illustrates and shows us the power of transformation. It shows us when we encounter the divine how powerful that can do and can be in our lives. We can begin to see the transformation and change that could happen, could happen to us. But we're so afraid of that encounter. We're so afraid of that transformation that we hide, that we make excuses. We give up our limitations. We talk about our limitations to keep us from really, truly entering into that mystery. And what do we hear from Zacchaeus? Jesus comes and points at Zacchaeus and says, I want to come to your house. I'm going to stay at your house. And we see everyone else complain and start talking and grumbling. Because this man, Jesus, is about to enter into a house that is unpure, unclean, unperfect. Because if, we, if anyone encountered, lived, or got close to a tax collector, they themselves are seen unclean. We ourselves are imperfect in our own ways, whether that's because of sin, whether that's because of our self-centeredness, whether that's because of our ego, our limitations, are things that are dirty about us. So we want to keep God at a distance. But yet today we hear Jesus wants to enter into that dirtiness. He wants to enter into that messiness of our lives. He wants into our homes, the homes of our hearts. But yet the door, there's only one doorknob, and it's on the inside of the door, not the outside. He's not going to force himself into the dirtiness, the messiness of our lives. He's going to stand outside waiting and asking to be invited in. Zacchaeus could have denied Jesus and said, no, 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 Lord, I don't want you in. Sorry, I'm a tax collector. But instead, he was joyous and excited to let him in, to welcome him into his home, the home of his imperfection, the home of his greediness, the home of material wealth. But in that entering into that home, 
His life is changed forever. His life begins anew. He is reborn again into new life. And Jesus just doesn't come into his house and just leave immediately. But we hear he remains with Zacchaeus. Jesus wants to stay and remain with us in our own hearts, in our own dirtiness, in our own messiness of our life. We all, together, you and I, are all imperfect. We want something. We yearn for something. St. Augustine puts it very beautifully. My heart is restless until it rests in thee. We can go out and search for all this pleasure, all this prestige, all this power in this world. But at the end of the day, it's not going to bring us joy. It's not going to bring us happiness. But what true happiness will come through is that divine encounter. It's the Zacchaeus moment every day and every moment of our life. Those are the moments that are going to bring us true joy. But are we really willing to admit our limitations, our weakness, to come see him, to come allow him to enter into our lives, to come be a part of your life? And I want to end with a story that happened to me a couple days ago. It was Tuesday, so usually Tuesdays Father Flynn is out, so it's kind of a very busy, hectic day in the office. And that day I had four anointing calls all at once. And so as I was going out to do each anointing, I get a call from uh, the executive assistant in the office and said, Father, you got one more, you got one more coming. It's an imminent death and they need you. And this was right before, four, uh, right before confessions, right before mass. And so I'm just trying to figure out how am I going to juggle and handle all of this in this craziness, this hecticness. And I told her, I was like, can you call the family back and say, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to get some other priest out to do this. Because I have mass, I have confession, I, I can't get to it. And so the family understood, and I told them, I was like, by 7 30, 8 o'clock, I'll, I'll make it out there. And so I, I get there, it's dark, so it's hard to really make sense of how this building is laid out, where the, the family is. So I finally stumble up and get to the, the patient's room. And the patient is really not doing so great. The family is praying the rosary with him. And so I asked the family what's going on. You know, he's had this terminal illness and um, he's about to pass. We don't know when, but we know that he's going to pass. And so I was like, I understand. So let us together, you know, pray for his healing and his comfort. And that, you know, if, if it's God's time for him to have everything he needs. And so as they finish the anointing and his last rites, give him his apostolic pardon, I begin praying the prayer of the commendation of the dying, asking the angels and saints to accompany to aid him. And as I do so, I, I focus back on the book and I just hear him take his last, last breath and pass. There's so many times in our lives where it's always busy. We make excuses why we can't do there, why we can't be there. But when we give ourselves some moments like that, we can begin to see the power of the encounter. We can begin to see the power of transformation. We can see and begin to see the power 
of how God is using and being using us as his instrument. I could have used my limitations and excuses, busy day, busy work, I'll get to you tomorrow. But it's those moments of encounter, those moments in which God makes himself known through our dirtiness, the messiness of our lives, that begin to transform and begin to change us. That moment in which I gave this man his last rites, even though it was a couple days ago, has been constantly on my mind and has been constantly transforming me every moment and every day since then. So let us look at our own lives, our own messiness, and see how we ourselves can be Zacchaeus. Not let our human limitations hinder us from encountering the divine, for having the divine remain with us every day and every moment of our lives, and in remaining with us, transform our hearts, our minds, our souls, to become better witnesses to the, the love, the mercy, the joy, the peace of God every day and every moment of our life. Amen.